Hi, welcome to the Max Revenue Show. I'm your host, Max Revenue. In this episode, we talk about peaks and valleys and focus and everything in between. This episode is what I will call a smorgasbord of sales, productivity, life, (laughs) advice. Uh, We go down a bunch of different rabbit holes and a bunch of different tangents, but I think if you'll just hang in there with us, uh, it's a it's a it's a great episode. A lot of good stuff in here. And also, please excuse the sound. Um, it sucks on my end for some reason. So we're trying to get that fixed. But anyways, think you'll enjoy the episode. Hang around. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Yeah. So I think it's important this week. Max, for you and I to talk about something related to mindset a little bit. Um, and I'm going to call this episode Peaks and Valleys. And actually, there's a really good book that I've, uh, I haven't read yet, but I got, I've heard a guy reference it quite a bit on YouTube. I follow <laughs> a lot of his um, talks. Anyways, he pulls, he extracts a lot of the lessons from it. So, hey, I don't like to always read. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just going to get a summary. Anyways, get the point. But I'm, I fully plan on buying it. Uh, however, the whole message of peaks and valleys is that we're always going to have ups and downs, right? Uh, Peaks, what happens? Everything's going well. You're the man just wrote a million dollar account. Life's great. Then your ego kind of gets big. You kind of forget about like all those things that got you there. And then you have a valley. And then in the valley though, is where you actually learn and grow. Cause that's when it gets tough. And like, you know, like anything, like, you try to build muscle, right? When your muscle tears down, that's when your muscles are growing just like anything in life. Like that's where you're going to grow. So the valleys are important to set up your peaks and then to, to hopefully make them less severe. Like, you know, uh, is when you have that growth and then you hit your peak to hopefully kind of stay humble and stay in remembrance of what got you there. So all that being said, the reason this topic I think is relevant is because as you and I were chatting, Max, there was a, a younger producer that I talked with last week and uh, he's like, can we, can we chat? I'm like, sure, man. Hey dude, I don't know what's wrong, man. Uh, I started with this new agency in, in January, crushed it 20, 20,000 in revenue first month. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. First month. I'm like, a lot of agencies don't even have any expectations the first couple months. So he's like, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, did what they told me to do, followed the plan. It was working awesome. And then February, I was like kind of wrapped up in all that stuff from January, trying to close those deals, got them. And then all of a sudden here in March, I've been terrible. Can't, can't set a meeting. It's been awful the last like four or five weeks. What do I do? I'm like, dude, <laughs> I was like, man, welcome to insurance. Cause, um, I haven't sold anything in like four months, bro. And uh, <laughs> he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, but also. I think I've done about 130 in revenue this year, all in one month in November amongst like four different deals, right? Or five. And uh, so it helped put things in perspective. I said, now, obviously that's not ideal. I'd like to be selling stuff every month, but insurance doesn't always work out that way, right? And that's that's the importance of just sticking to, when you're in the valleys, sticking to the, like we've talked about, your 40 calls, you're you know, setting that barometer. What am I going to always call? Even when you're on the peaks, sticking to the 40 calls because he got wrapped up in closing deals and all the messy work that we don't like as, as producers most of the time. So I thought it was a very relevant conversation. I think a lot of either older producers and younger producers listening 
probably resonates with you. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've been my therapist for the last four years. How many times have I called you going up and down on the roller coaster of production? It's uh, This is not an, in, an easy industry. And I think, you know, you're talking, two things kind of pop up in my mind. Number one is setting realistic expectations. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, how far out you're prospecting people. Mike, I know you were always out four to five months uh, off of X states. So, you know, your your sales cycle is so long. It's you have to have realistic expectations as to what you're going to do and how long it's going to take. I think this guy that you talked to, I think they were working some type of work comp EMOD angle. So maybe it's a shorter sales cycle. I don't know. I think, you know, in the time that I've been doing this, I I know of one guy that does about two deals a month. And he has a very specific angle. He's working off of X date, but, you know, that's pretty prolific. But everybody else I know is just trying to, they're going to do a, a deal a month. I mean, if you're a true big market guy, you know, so I think setting realistic expectations and knowing what you're in for. And then number two, the other thing I thought about was just going back to, you know, we harp on this time and time again is knowing your numbers. And we'll, you know, we'll eventually put out a prospecting tracker, you know, as part of a suite of things that are coming down the pipeline. But, you know, it takes me, man, you just got to look at, like, I think I have to make like 6,000 cold calls in a year <laughs> to hit my target. And it takes, you know, I just started over two in January and it takes a while to build that pipeline up. And as long you can't ultimately control who decides to join you or who you close. It's at the end of the day, you just have to follow the metrics and the results will take care of themselves. But as to how quickly they come on board, that that's really out of your control. You just you gotta trust the process. And I know it's cliche and I know it's frustrating, but when you when you're tracking your numbers and if your numbers are accurate, you know, math, uh, at least as far as I'm aware, has never lied. Um, so you, you just gotta stick to the numbers. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. And knowing your numbers is critical. Actually, have you have you heard the Dana White story? No, I have not. On this? All right. So there. I lost you. I'm back. People keep calling me and it's cutting out of my, uh, out of our podcast. So stop yeah. calling Micah. Yeah. Bothersome <laughs> prospects. Golly, leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool story. I heard there's this, I should know his name. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but this guy that's, used to work for the life insurance companies anyways, helped predict when people would die. Basically it was like an actuary. And then he got sick of doing that and was like, I want to start helping people live longer. And he said, I would see the same markers. I could predict within like a couple months when most people would die based on their diet, their blood work, all this other stuff. Cause life insurance companies are genius, right? They know all these numbers. And anyways, cool story is Dana white calls him up and he's like, Hey man, um, I want to know how much longer I have to live. And the guy's like, dude, I don't really do that anymore. I'm more so help people kind of live healthier. Anyways, um, this guy acquiesced because he's like, sure, you're Dana White, whatever. He flies out there, does all the blood work, goes back home, 
gets a call at 1.30 from the lab running the work. I'm like, dude, you have a client that is at severe, severe risk. And I was like, what? Because lab's got to call you know, the people that submit it when if there's a client at severe risk. Anyways, Dana White's numbers were like off the charts. Triglycerides were like 8x higher than they should be. He's basically like walking around, potentially could die anytime if he didn't change his lifestyle. And so guy comes out there, says, hey, man, flies out the next day, tells him everything he's got to do. And within 10 weeks, went on this like diet, followed this, you know, this plan to a T, did the, took the supplements in it to, dropped like 40 pounds, all his numbers reversed, and he 3x to his life expectancy now to like 50 as a six pack, you know, all this other stuff. But um, the whole point of all that is like he, he didn't know his numbers. So he was walking around just sick, couldn't sleep, sleeping terrible was in pain all the time, just attributed to old age. But until you know your numbers, you can't fix the problem, right? So like Dana finally figured out, oh, wow, my numbers were jacked. That was the very first step. And then a plan is created off of your numbers. So you got to know your numbers, right? Um, and now, hey, Dana so, White's healthy and he's got a six pack, you know? <laughs> dang, I have a one pack. I just want a big one. Hey, man. <laughs> that, that's uh, awesome. Awkward. Um, anyways, okay. So talking about knowing your numbers, I believe we talked about this a hundred times on the podcast, but we'll do it again because you never know when somebody's joining us. So let's talk numbers. Tell me what your prospecting numbers look like. Yeah. So I've I'm just going to throw a generic number because this has worked pretty well throughout my whole career. Forty calls a day five days a week, we'll get you to 200 calls a week. Based on those, I should have roughly between three to five conversations a day, which will be, you know, roughly, let's just say if it's four, about 20 conversations a, a week. Out of that, I should set, I'd say one out of, if, if they're pure cold calls and not callbacks, probably one out of seven, eight, we'll probably get a meeting. But now once you start to work in your callbacks, which get in, gets kind of, uh, gets into the realistic expectations, which we'll talk about in a second. But when you start to work in your callbacks, I think when you average them all together, about one in five, one in six, you should, you know, get a meeting. Um, so there you have it. So if you got 20 conversations, just say one in five conversation, you know, one in five yields a meeting, that'd be four meetings. Even that's a little aggressive. Um, I typically a good week, I think is two, two, two to three meetings. I'm pumped if I get two to three meetings. So I'm, I'm not calling mom and pop, you know, when I say mom and pop, a guy with five employees, I'm, you know, we're calling mid-market accounts here. And, um, what's your average so, account size? Uh, when I had, a my book, when my book was 1.2 million, it was about, I think it was like 19 to 21,000, somewhere in that range at, at MMA. Gotcha. And, um, what's your yearly target? What are you trying to hit? Uh, right now I am trying to, well, I have really high goals right now. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so you're starting over, which is, you know, I think what most people like to hear. What what are you trying to hit this year? Like, so I turn over this, November 22 to November 23. Your year. Yeah, I think it's 300, and then for the next three years, I want to do 600 each. Um, I'm really trying to. I've been reading some crazy stuff where it's like you can accomplish more in 30 days than you can in in a year. A lot of times, if you actually focus. And so I'm kind of going to put that to the test. So actually over the next 30 days, this was starting last week. I had a goal of producing 75 K of revenue. Um, and I have nothing in the pipeline that's like hot. Right. I mean, I have some 
some meetings and stuff, but nothing like really, really hot. So I'm kind of going to take that guy's philosophy and say, Hey, can this really work if I hone in and focus in and follow my numbers? Um, so we'll see what happens, but yeah. yeah. Crazy focus thing. And I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, um, but I've, I've gone down a similar rabbit hole. I'm, tend to be a shiny object guy, constantly holding on new threads and, you know, seeing where they go. And, you know, I keep coming back to this focus thing and just how powerful it is if you actually just put the blinders on and execute on one thing. I think uh, I was listening to something today and it was like Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs, and whatever. Maybe it was Bill Gates. There was like, you know, what what do all three of these guys have in common? And it's that they all attribute their success to their ability to focus. It's um, it's a superpower, especially in today's, you know, we, we're bombarded with all kinds of stuff, and it's easy to go down a thousand rabbit holes or get lost in social media, but. You know, even more now probably than ever. And it's only going to get worse, right? We've only got more tech coming on the horizon. So I think, you know, the ability to focus is such a superpower. And I, I you know, it's like, it's not like humility. If you think you have it, you probably don't. Same thing with focus. <laughs> if you think you're focusing, you're probably still not focusing enough. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think you can ever get enough of it. And I, I need to do more of it. Yeah, I think there was a good quote I heard. It's like, who created David? Was it Michelangelo or something like that? The David masterpiece or sculpture? sculpture? But he's like, yeah, anyways, the guy was like, hey, how did you create? He's like, I took away all things that weren't David. You know, mm-hmm. so he was so focused on like, what's my David? That's all I'm focusing on is that statue. And I'm going all in and building that thing. But yeah, it was, it's, it's, it is interesting when you do focus in and, um, which we've talked about in past episodes on time blocking. And um, I think I did a YouTube short on this one as well. Like the whole, I I guess I would brand it. uh, What do we have? We're calling it now the monk chunk (laughs) and manage process, right? The the framework, which is go into monk mode, eliminate all distractions, solitude kind of, and then, you know, chunk out that time to do that and then manage it. Keep keeping tallies, keeping track of what you're actually doing to make sure it gets done. Maybe it should be chunk, monk, and manage. So yep, like I was thinking chunk, that you got to yep, chunk the yeah. time first. Then yep. you go in monk mode when you hit the time, and then when you come out, you gotta. You, yeah, you gotta, you gotta you gotta come up with a good acronym or something. I I, I went on the the uh, God, I can't speak. I opened up the the source the other day and and was looking at. Uh, words to use we could use for manage that rhymed with chunk or monk uh i I came up with a number of things but none of them that actually stick so well you know to be determined maybe maybe we'll have that worked out by the time the book comes out oh wait did i say say a book Uh (laughs) and and if you (laughs) you stuck around this long then you know might be a cliffhanger cliffhanger yeah but I do like uh, Chunky Monkey. <laughs> you know, that we just need a third word. Chunky Monkey. Mm, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to explain that one, bro. Chunky Monkey. I'm going to have to out on that one. Uh, I'm going to get with my two-year-old too much. 
So, um, peak, so peaks and valleys. Yeah. One last peaks thing. I to, one thing I wanted to say on that is, you know, the valleys and getting down and expectations. Also, kind of going back to the peaks thing. You know, not getting too up. It's easy, like when you get that deal to like be riding high and oh man, I just killed it. Maybe you take your foot off the brake. You know, you know, you're you're Mister. You're the monk, not me. But like trying to do things in even kill. When things are high, great. But, you know, go ahead and ride it up a little bit. When things are low, it's okay. Like just try to keep more of an even kill instead of constantly playing that emotional roller coaster. This, you know, we're not alone. This is a very tough career. It's like a 90% failure rate. We've all been there. Try to keep it even keel. Know your numbers. Stay on course. Trust the process. Yeah, that's really critical because I think I think a lot of people talk about like, hey, when times get tough, what do you do? But we forget about, hey, when times are going good too, you know, what do you do to act like you've been there before kind of thing, right? Um, and uh, – I know it's not always the message we want to hear. Sometimes you want to get in that end zone and dance a little bit, you know, but <laughs> which is good. Just, just don't dance too much, I guess is the, is the model there. Yeah. You know, you know and, I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm an Alabama guy. But, um, you know, he gives himself 24 hours to celebrate when they win the national championship or SEC or whatever, he has until that time the next day. And then when that time's over, then it's back to business. Right. So it's all right to reward yourself or, you know, to get excited that, but it's, it's not the right time to just mail it in or take a week off or whatever. You just, you gotta, you, you ride that thing up, but not too high. And then when it comes down, you go down a little bit, just try to keep it even keel. Give yourself a time frame and, and then get back to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think one other thing I want to talk about that we, that you had mentioned. So you said about knowing your numbers, but the first point you made was realistic expectations. And this is where we can get into trouble listening to other, to other industries uh, when it comes to like sales advice. Um, if someone's out there selling copiers or popsicles, whatever, you know, or just whatever. Take, take what they're telling you with a grain of salt in terms of what you should expect from a results standpoint and even a methods and numbers because every industry is a little bit different. There is some advice that I think is universal, right? You know, um, But I think a lot of it, try to find someone within the industry that, that's been there, done there, done it, that can give you some real world kind of like, this is what to expect. Um, and this is important because your first year, especially when you got no people that said, Hey, call me back later. You know, the call me back later is those warm calls. That's how you kind of get your meetings starting to flow month in and month out and you get some consistency going your first year. You don't even have that right. Most of the time. And also what you don't have, if you don't have insurance X date or X dates or something to work off of, you're, you're, you're really calling blind. You don't even know if they just renewed last month. You know, you don't know anything. So give yourself a little bit of grace your first year, especially your first, I'd say six to eight months. Now it's not saying, Hey, I, you know, lackadaisical apathetic attitude. It's just saying focus more on what you can control, which is your inputs, which is the, the numbers made and how consistent are you staying to your process and keeping track of that data. Um, and don't be so concerned with revenue first year. Like, like literally a lot of agencies I've worked for. And I think most agencies are pretty good at this. Like, Hey man, relax now easier said than done. Cause 
you know, you got a nut, you got to hit um, after a certain amount of years to validate. But, um, and that's what's hard is to, to not get worried and frustrated and start chasing stuff and to be disciplined that first year and to be like, I'm sticking to my process year two. I'm going to know when the X dates are coming up. I'm going to know more data. I'm going to have the warm calls. And then I, you know, so hopefully can start to feel a little bit better and start to look at revenue more closely. Of course, you're going to look at revenue first year, but just don't let it be the leading uh, thing you're focused on. Out of curiosity, what did you write your first year? Um, at MMA, I did, I think it was around 56-ish thousand back in 2015. And then I had a cross sell that was about 100,000. That was pretty cool um, my first year as well. So if you factored, like, I, if, yeah, 100,000 of revenue to the agency on the EV side and then 56 on the PNC. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also look out for, you know, you always hear these numbers flying around from these different people. You also got to look at not other industries, but also just different areas of the country. You know, I mean, somebody in friggin' New York city or, or Dallas or San Diego or Nashville or any of these big markets that South Florida, man, those guys, you know, it's relative two, three, four, 500 a year in revenue. Whereas, you know, somebody that's in a rural market, a good year might be a hundred thousand, you know? So I, I, it's, it's not till we get caught in this uh, thinking that's like either or where it's Mm -hmm. because I, because I was on the same other side of my mouth. I'm like, nah, man, you need to be listening to these other people because then you get to hear what's actually possible. And so you get caught in binary thinking like, should I listen to other people or should I just stay in my lane? And it's, it's not either or, it's both and. Like you want to hear from other people. You want to hear what they're doing so that it broadens your horizons. You see what's actually possible. But then also, you know, on the, on the other side of the, the coin, you do actually, you need to be realistic and you need to, like you said, give yourself some grace. You know, it's not an excuse not to get out there and hustle, but like, man, if you're in a rural market, maybe you only write 75 your first year. Maybe you only write 30 in your first year, but like, as long as you're busting ass and, and only you can be honest with yourself, if you're getting after it, like you can't lie to yourself, you know, if you're putting in the work. So both and yeah. aim big it clouds and dirt. Right. Big oh, picture. Yeah. yeah. But also like, you know, stay, stay grounded. What's realistic. Yeah, it is. You made a great point. It's important to get out, to talk to people outside of our, our vacuum, <laughs> because you might think you're the man and then some guy's crushing and it's like, Oh, what? but then you got to ask those questions. Wait, what market are they in? Are they in New York city? Which is crazy side note here. I was talking to some guy in, uh, in the industry and he was like, yeah, New York city, man, I moved on to Texas and insurance is cheap in texas in new york like a contractor in new york city is paying like 10 to 12 bucks of gross revenues apparently is spent on insurance or something i don't know if that's accurate but i was like i know it's expensive up there and then i know texas is fairly expensive but then i know guys in wisconsin you know could be half of what we are here in texas so great point on talking to people outside your your little vacuum but also then then kind of having that check test like wait well okay you know, not everything is apples to apples. Yeah, it's not. I, I know. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of these gurus floating around on social media that, you know, have one, two, three million dollar books. And they think they're the big swing dicks in the industry. And Micah, you and I both know guys with five, 10, 15 million dollar books. But these guys have no idea. Right. Because in their own little bubble. 
and they think, you know, they are the epicenter of the insurance world and they're the furthest thing from it, but they have no idea. You know, they are nothing but a flea on the dog's ass. But then on the same, on the same hand, you got guys that, you know, are in a rural market and they have a million dollar book and they do, they are the shit where they are, right? Because it's just, they're in a small industry or in a small, you know, region. And so it's both and give yourself some grace, but also, you know, be open-minded enough to see that there's, there's bigger fish out there and you ain't it. So use that as motivation to, to go do bigger and better things. And also don't forget this thing too. What's your split, right? Uh, you got a guy that does a hundred grand, thinks he's the man making 25 grand a year, new and renewal, let's just say, <laughs> but your agency pays you 50, 50%. <laughs> so 50, you just, baby. Yeah, you did 60K of revenue, but you're making 30 grand in commission. You're making five grand more than the guy doing 100. So, I mean, that's just a, you know, and that, that happens a lot. So if you're at a small agency also, yeah, you know, don't always compare yourself to the guys at the big shops or whatever. What are you bringing home at the end of the day? That's what matters. I'm not even, who even cares about a million dollar book? It matters. What do you want to make to be comfortable? How do you get there? You know, stay on track to get you there. Uh, and if that number is... Commission splits aside, if that number, if, if you can be fat and happy and have the greatest quality of life at $100,000 of income because you live in the country, who cares? You know, your wife's happy, your kids are happy. Take that all day long. Great point. Great point. All right, well, let's wrap it up there. Anything else? That's all I got this week, man. I'm spent now. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, we just kept, we just kept tangent after tangent, comma, comma, comma. So, anyways, I think I'll I think I'll title it Peaks and Valleys, but who knows? We'll come up with something. Um, well, moral we of the story: <laughs> trust the process, stay on track, don't get too high, don't get too low. Um, just so moral of the stories: don't don't do what we did in, in this episode, which is <laughs> <laughs> jump around from topic to topic, which I think they're all relevant. But hey, we brought it back home. Nice job. Yeah, yeah. Weren't we just talking about focus? Golly. Yeah. Practice what you preach, Max. Jesus, get your shit together. All right, let's cut it off here. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. If you would, if you're not already a subscriber, head on over to maxrevenueletter.beehive.com and sign up there. I will trade you your email address for the best producer newsletter in your inbox every Sunday. Obviously, you're already listening to this podcast, so if you have not, smashed subscribe please do and then also micah is doing big things over on youtube uh so go check us out at the youtube channel i mean just this tool called google just put it in you'll find us uh so without any further delay we'll let you get back to work uh but we're out of here thanks for listening it means a lot adios see you